Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Sarah. Today, we are joined by Paul Rafino of Rattleback Records. Rattleback Records is a combination of a lifelong love of music and vintage treasures, offering a wide selection of new and used vinyl, CDs, cassettes, movies, and more, and is open seven days a week at 5405 North Clark. Welcome, Paul. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, we are so excited to have you. Well, we always love to start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. Are you from Chicago and where did you grow up? Yep. So I am from Chicago. I grew up um, on the far northwest side in Edison Park, went to Chicago Public Schools, went to Taft High School, um, and then uh, went to um, Northeastern Illinois University where I got a degree in um, education. Nice. And as a lifelong Chicagoan, so you've never lived outside the city. No. So actually I did, I did live for a period of time in Northern California in the Bay Area for five years. I taught and lived in um, San Francisco and then in a little town called Alameda, which is a little island city yeah. across the Bay from San Francisco. And that was a really great um, place to teach and work. Um, my school actually was... Um, right about a block and a half from the beach and i was on a third floor classroom so i could like look out my window and see the beach and see the san francisco skyline it was pretty idyllic that's great there's a reason to leave chicago i feel like the bay area is it, a good reason <laughs> yeah it was great i loved living there but chicago is home and you know eventually i was missing my friends and my family here and it's also quite expensive to live there on a teacher's salary so um chicago called me back home and they didn't have any like <clears throat> Uber left side gigs back then, so no you couldn't supplement your income I, that way. I mean, there were probably side gigs, but I don't know how many of them would have been legal. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a peek into the retail music industry early in life, working at Musicland and then Secondhand Tunes. What made you decide to open your own record store years later, and how did you choose Andersonville as the location of Rattleback Records? So, my time working at Secondhand Tunes and Musicland was—I um, just always really loved that experience. I love, I've always loved music. I've been a lifelong collector of music um, and really enjoyed the experience of, you know, talking to customers about music, talking to my coworkers about music um, and being turned on to new types of music by people and turning other people on to new types of music. And then I taught for a number of years, um, which was also a passion of mine. Um, but when I decided to leave education after about 20 years, I decided that um, in the back of my mind, I'd always had this idea of opening a little shop. And um, I decided to pursue that. And I live in Edgewater, and I spend a lot of time in Andersonville shopping and eating and you know just visiting with friends. And so I thought, if I'm going to open a shop, it's going to have to be in this neighborhood because I really love this neighborhood. And did you ever use music in the classroom? Very much so. Yeah, all the time. In fact, we used to do a, um, a thing where we talked about artifacts and um, how to identify <clears throat> artifacts based on, you know, just observation and inference. And so I would bring in an old portable record player and um, it was a, a suitcase record player. So the top was closed. so You couldn't see the turntable. And I would ask the students to kind of, you know, observe it and make some guesses about what they thought it could be. And then would open it up and you know play a record for them and they would all like freak out oh my god that's so cool and today we live in a world where like it's very possible that we could have no records you know or like no new releases on vinyl records like 
had a near death in the mid 2000s and have experienced a resurgence ever since. And what do you attribute to this comeback? And what do you love about vinyl so much? So yeah, I've, I've really thought a lot about what to attribute the the comeback to. And I think that we have, you know, a generation of, of youngsters now who ha- are, have grown up in the digital age. And so I think that um, the, the tangibility of a physical piece of um, vinyl that can then kind of transmit music over speakers um, is, is fascinating to a lot of people. And I think that the sound you get with records, I mean, of course I'm biased, but I think the sound you get with records is superior than the compressed sound that you would get even from, you know, a CD, but certainly from streaming services. Um, and so I think that, uh, the other thing is I think that vinyl really, of all of the music formats that we've seen come and go over the years, vinyl's really the one that hasn't fully ever gone away, right? Like, I mean, it almost, as you said, it almost died. Like, you know, when CDs came out, people were dumping their record collections and buying CDs. But um, they never fully went away. You know, A-track tapes, those went away. Reel-to-reel tapes, those went away. Cassette tapes, for the most part, gone. But records were always sort of there on the fringes. And now it's it's nice to see that it's making a comeback. And it's nice to see that it's, you know, sort of a younger generation of people that are discovering this source of music. I bought my first ever record player from you on Small Business Saturday. And um, listening that first night, I yeah, I was blown away by the sound. What do your kids? What did your kids think of it? I'm just curious because you have two, you have young yeah, children. Yeah, um, I mean they just love putting the record on and taking it off <laughs> and yeah. doing that repeatedly. Yeah, but also like love listening to it. But I think they love the act of putting it on, lifting the needle. There's something really cool yeah. about that about the the physical interaction that you have and to the have crackle. and the crackle mm-hmm. and just like yeah, there's a, there's a physical process of like you know it takes some work. You don't just press a button on a device and start listening. You have to actually like you know, get up and drop a needle onto a record and then get up and turn it over. So I think that there's something about that interaction that's nice as well. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible with technology. So I always get super frustrated when I go to like play something and then sync up the Bluetooth and then it doesn't work or like someone else is synced up to the Bluetooth and like, and then you're exhausted and you're like, I just wanted to hear Adele. Right, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, dad, did you have a favorite record when you were young that yes. you listened to? So my, my mom bought me my first record player similarly probably Sarah when around the age that your kids are and um, I remember getting this record player I think it was probably for Christmas and so excited it was super 70s space age looking like this white plastic you know turntable and she bought the first album that she bought me with that turntable was uh, the Captain and Tennille Love Will Keep Us Together (laughs) Um, but it wasn't uh, long after that that I discovered um my love for the band Kiss because I had older cousins and they showed me this, you know, band that like dressed up in makeup and these crazy mm-hmm. costumes and played this melodic, like sort of, you know, rock music and, and, uh, I was hooked. And so, um, I then shortly after bought my first record with my own sort of money, however I got that through chores or whatever, um, I bought Kiss Destroyer and then it was all over. I was just buying records for the rest of my life after that. How about you, Sarah? What did you start listening to music on? I don't think I can disclose that information on this podcast. <laughs> well, I <Next> had, <laughs> well, I had like an old, I had a 45 and it, I had Hollow Notes' Man Eater. And that was my favorite song as a, great a song. kid. I would play it on repeat. I don't remember what the B-side was, but that was like, that was it for me. Yeah. I will say we had a cassette of... um we had an Oldsmobile. 
And the Oldsmobile came with an Oldsmobile song. Like, there is a special feel in an Oldsmobile. <laughs> but on the B side was Toto's Africa. Oh. oh, yeah. So it was just, we would like go back and forth between those two things. So, like, and Toto's Africa, interestingly, you know, has been recently covered by right, the band Weezer. Weezer. Yes. And I've had some young folks come in with their parents. And what I think is kind of cute is that they've said, you know, I want the original version of that song. I don't want the Weezer version. Who did the original version? You know, they're very like, I want to, I want to dig deep. I want to learn about this song, you know, and it's like, oh, it's on this album, Toto 4. Here you go. <laughs> you know, we asked that as one of our lightning round questions. Um, for Sarah Gorbanian of RE Chiropractic, we said, which version do you like better? Um, you know, Toto or Weezer? And and she declined to answer that question. But I don't, she, I, I talked to her later about it and she just didn't, she doesn't, doesn't know that song. Oh, okay. So I think we have to introduce her. For sure. To yeah, both versions. To and both then, versions. And then, and then ask her again. The, Weezer's rendition of it is great. It is great. Mm-hmm. And it's very similar to the original version. My kid, you know, my kids have obviously grown up in the digital age and they like don't know the extent in which we like, you know, had the radio and like the separate recording device off the radio to like make a mixtape and like the amount of effort it used to go into a like lot. listen to the music you wanted to listen to. A lot of effort. And then I, you know, kind of backing, backtracking to like the idea of what, you know, why this physical format as a, as a former educator and specifically as an English teacher, the idea that, you know, there's liner notes and there's information and there's lyrics and which are essentially poems, right? And and a lot of times that's printed, you know, either on the back cover or on the, you know, insert of the record. And I, you know, so as a, a, a proponent of literacy education, I love the idea that kids can like sit down with these formats and actually like read and learn about, you know, I mean, they might read a, a cer- certain person playing a certain instrument. They've never heard of that instrument. So it might spark them to go figure out what that instrument is. And, you know, it's that type of stuff that you don't get necessarily with, you know, a digital format, a download. You don't ha- get all that information or you don't take the time to really find it. But with a record, it's right there for you. I always used to read the lyrics like and read along with Me the too. song. Me too. Me mm-hmm. too. I used to lie on my bed and listen to the record and read, you know, pour over the lyrics and, you know, see who was on it and then you make connections to like, oh, that person played bass on this record, but he also plays bass on this other record. Oh, no wonder I like that sound, you know? You had mentioned that you always had the idea of a small shop in the back of your mind, but we were curious where the name Rattleback came from. Yeah. If that was, you know, something that you had always no, thought of or... It's a great question. Um, we, uh, my husband Mike and I wanted to, when we were trying to come up with a name, for the store, I wanted something more creative than like Paul's records. And so we were looking for things that spin. And we, you know, of course, started with like things like records or record players. And, you know, so things like the tone arm or the turntable or, you know, and none of those really seemed unique enough. And we found a page on Wikipedia about spinning tops and, um, and sort of went down this rabbit hole of learning all sorts of things about different spinning tops. There's a specific type of top. It's an ancient top um, that had been discovered in, in archaeological digs in Egypt. Um, and it's um, a top that when you spin it in one direction, it'll spin as you would expect a top to spin. But if you try to spin it in the opposite direction, it rattles on its axis and stops and spins back the other way. So it's kind of magical and kind of a little rebellious. And, and what I realized was that... Um, I'd never heard of it before, but apparently it's a thing. People have written scientific papers about it, and and I liked the alliteration of Rattleback Records. I thought that was kind of cool, and I also liked the idea that it was this 
thing that had been around for a long time, but also sort of did its own thing, didn't, didn't sort of succumb to the normal laws of physics, you know, kind of was a little bit of a rebellious top, if you will. Yeah, it's a great name. And we too at the Chamber are fans of alliteration, as you can tell by our always Andersonville podcast. Always Andersonville. But it's never that smart <laughs> of an explanation. And that's, that's like when a teacher so have to opens Egypt. a record store. That was, I, I mean, I need to like go, I need to listen back to you explaining that again. Yeah. And so, you know, we have, I don't know if you've seen, but if you're next time you're in the store, I'll show you. We actually have little plastic rattlebacks that um, we have like a little bin of. And so a lot of times people will ask and oftentimes children will say, what are these? And I'll kind of give them the whole explanation and kind of demonstrate it for them. And they're just totally enamored. And then we just, you know, give them to them and they're thrilled to have these little toys now that they can play with. Well, Paul, do you find that today's multiple online music sites like Spotify or Apple Music affects the business of the store, either negatively or positively? It's a good question. I, it's it's hard to say about the impact specifically, um, positively or negatively. I would say if there's a positive impact, it's that it's it's exposing people to new music, right? So those formats, the Spotify and you know, Amazon Prime and other Apple Music, things like that, um, are exposing people to new music. And if, and if they're being exposed to new music and then come in to my shop and are either looking for the physical format of that song or that record, or want to know some, you know, bands or artists that might be similar to things that they've heard, you know, then we can kind of have that conversation. So in some ways, I think the positive thing is that it's turning people onto music. And in my opinion, however you learn about music is great because I think music is such an important part of life and, and, you know, education and growing up. Um, and I think, you know, the negative impact certainly would be, you know, that people have the, the luxury of just using a device to, you know, simply download a song or stream a song um, at a moment's notice. And it's, it's much certainly easier to do that than it is to go into a shop and buy a physical format and then figure out what you're going to play that on. And um, so then I would say if it's negative, it's just that it's, it's made it very easy for people um, to not have to seek out um, a record shop in their neighborhoods to find out more about that music. And what have you heard from customers who have returned to vinyl or are experiencing it for the first time? That they love it. That um, I mean, things similar to what Sarah said that, you know, the it's I've had families come in and say, like, it's really kind of brought them together in some ways. It's given them sort of like a, you know, a common thing to do at home other than like watch TV or play games. It, it's it's just another thing that they could do as a family and pick out music together um, and listen to that music together and discuss it. And I think that that's really, really cool. I'm going to share too, like, you know, what, what I've really loved about the customers that have discovered our shop. And, and what I really love is that customers are still discovering our shop. You know, we have yeah. regulars, which is great, but every day there's people that come in and, and say like, oh, I didn't know you were here or how long have you been here? And it's great to me that they're, you know, that there's this constant stream of people that are still learning about us because clearly I want people to know about us. Um, but it's also been really nice, the, the, the diversity of the people that are coming in. Um, it just crosses all ethnicities, all age groups. Um, I had a woman come in and, um, she lives in the neighborhood and she, um, was looking to purchase a record player to play her old classical records on. And she hadn't played them in years and years and years, you know, and, 
Um, and so she came in a couple of times and I showed her different record players and she ended up buying one and now she's like a regular customer and comes in and, and now she's expanding her collection from classical music to like Chicago blues. Um, cause we were playing a blues record one time when she came in and she wanted to know more about it. So we shared that with her and she ended up buying it. So I think that that's kind of cool. In the store, you also hold events like book signings and you host live music, which is really fun. Um, and in the spring you had a line around the block for Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. So do you have any upcoming events planned for late summer or fall, or can you speak more to your events? Sure. So um, the events have been super fun and, and were always something that I thought we would do in the shop, but you know, was a little nervous about the size and how we would accommodate that, but it's really worked out great. And um, so the Todd Rundgren thing was just so much fun and the, his fans were a blast and he and his wife were so nice and accommodating to their fans and to us. Um, we There's a, a local ukulele um group called the tiny bubbles um that are regular customers and uh so i'm thinking that sometime this fall we're going to have them do an in-store uh performance you know um maybe do like a hawaiian themed you know listening party for them um but they're not just during arts week during arts week that's a great idea oh my gosh that's a great (laughs) idea i will do that um and then we just had you know this up-and-coming um artist named sizzy rocket and uh chloe mk chloe was the winner of the voice last season and so they did an in-store performance a couple of weeks ago that was very well attended and again it's a little nerve-wracking because you've got all these people in your shop and they're you know the music's getting kind of loud and you've got like i've got to be mindful of my neighbors and not get too wild but it's all worked out really well and people have been very positive about it so i'm looking forward to doing more of those this is always andersonville the podcast i'm laura and i'm joelle this episode is brought to you by Chicago sales coach Paul Baraz of Trainwreck Solutions. His new workshop series, Sales Made Simple, occurs monthly every fourth Thursday from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at 5153 North Clark Street, room 228. Don't miss this week's workshop on August 22nd. Walk away with at least one new idea to take your business to the next level. Sign up now at trainwrecksolutions.com or email Paul at paulbaraz at gmail.com. Joelle, how do you become a sponsor? Well, Laura, any of our chamber member businesses or a business considering becoming a member can email us directly for sponsorship information at info at andersonville.org. We offer sponsorship for both one episode or four episodes in a row. We are always looking for new sponsors. And we also encourage listener feedback. So if you have a guest you'd like to see on the show, please email us at info at andersonville.org. You can also email us with questions, comments, or general neighborhood inquiries. We look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share Always Andersonville, the podcast on iTunes. Paul, what are a few of the albums that make up your own personal collection? And do you have a favorite instrument that you're drawn to? Hmm. I don't, you know, so let me talk about the albums. I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan. So um, Joni Mitchell's Blue album is one of my all-time favorites. You know, I kind of like, I think a lot of music geeks do this. Like they have this, you know, sort of list of things. If, if we were stranded on a desert island, what would be the 10 albums that I would bring with me? So, the, you know, Joni Mitchell's Blue would be for sure one of them. Um, I love Van Morrison. Um, I'm loving the new Bruce, Bruce Springsteen record. Um, I'm a huge fan of um, like indie music. There's a woman who records under the name of Weyas Blood that I'm really into lately. Um, so I can't really say that there's like, other than like the Joni Mitchell stuff, which is 
top of the list. Um, I'm also a former, well, I'm also a deadhead. I used to follow the Grateful Dead around when I was younger. And so I like the Grateful Dead. I saw Dead and Company at Wrigley Field, you know, when they were here about a month ago. And, um, and so that's um, like anything by the Grateful Dead or those types of jam bands I'm into. But I'm also into like Black Sabbath and ACDC and classic rock. And I'm also into jazz, which I've actually gotten into more having the shop, listening to some of those older jazz records that I just never really took the time to listen to when I was younger. And I've grown to appreciate people like John Coltrane and Miles Davis in a deeper way than I knew um, before. Um, favorite instrument? I've always just been in awe of anyone who could play an instrument because I don't. And so I love anyone that can play, you know, guitar, piano, um, stringed instruments. I'm a sucker for like a, a good cello, you know? Um, I think that, you know, a lot of indie bands are bringing in, in interesting instruments. We actually had a, a hammered dulcimer jazz act do one an in-store. Um, so that, you know, just anyone that can take an instrument and make music from it is amazing to me. It's not a, not a skill that I ever honed. <laughs> Along with selling new and used records, you also sell CDs, cassettes, books, vintage barware, posters, and prints. How do you go about choosing your inventory? And what do you see for the future of Rattleback and what you carry in the store? So I would say the future holds a lot more records because what we have found over the few months that we've been open is that's really what is selling. <laughs> we have all of those other things that you mentioned and I love that we do, and we'll continue to have those things. I, I like the vintage barware, especially because I like to think about it as like if I had a music lounge at home, what would I want to like have in that music lounge? So I'd want to have like a more cool vintage martini shaker or some cool rocks glasses, you know, um, or some cool ashtrays, even though I don't smoke, but just because they're like the old ashtrays are like pieces of art, right? And they're, they're fun and they're colorful. Um, and so, but what I will say is that we're probably going to be expanding our record section and we have already since we've opened. I mean, we had, um, you know, however many bins of records at the time and we've had to like have at least four to six more LP bins made by my uh, carpenter to accommodate the need for, um, putting out more of the records that people have been looking for. And we read in an article that you might want to one day open your own record label. Yeah, I mean, it's that's sort of, you know, a, a, again, it's like that little idea that's in the back of my head, like the idea of of promoting uh, local um, artists and um, and then specifically around as a gay man, like sort of around the, the LGBTQ community, because I think that um, there's a huge diverse music um, scene in Chicago in the LGBTQ community that is so much more than what I think gets stereotyped in that type of music so like you know i love madonna but there's more than just madonna right and there's, there's britney there's britney too right but there's <laughs> but there's also like you know hardcore you know heavy metal rockers who you know identify as lgbtq or um country musicians and so i think like if i were to do a record label it would want it, it would be to to focus on that um you know on lgbtq artists or allies and and the variety of music that they create very cool I don't have a poignant question for this, but I feel like as you're talking, you have such a good grasp on like um, what is classic and also what is current in terms of pop culture and kind of like straddling both like what, you know, where where trends are going. And I don't know, is that kind of like does that reflect your taste a little bit in terms of just like not only music, but like all pop culture and like what you're passionate about? Yeah, I think that that very astute of you. Yes, I for 100 percent for sure. I think that. Um, 
my taste in art and in and in music and in film um and in you know decor is is pretty eclectic and and i think that it's important to expose yourself to lots of different types of music and art and um and i like to try to do that i like to sort of push myself out of uh you know a, what might be a comfort zone and and explore things that i might not normally listen to uh, if given the choice i might just kind of stick to the things that i love like Joni mitchell or the grateful dead but it's nice to kind of push yourself out of that comfort zone and 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 what's been amazing as i mentioned earlier about like the jazz music is like i've really been turned on to some stuff that it's like how did i make it 51 years in my life without ever having really listened to this so there's the, the, the discovery of that type of stuff and being open to the variety of stuff that's out there is really important and it is a big part of my life it also reflects your decision to like open a brick and mortar, which, you know, an old school record store, but doing it in this fresh current way, yeah. providing this new thing that yeah. people are seeking. Yeah, that's been that's been fun. I mean, the opening the brick and mortar store certainly was, you know, like scary. I mean, you know, because it wasn't something that I'd ever done before. I'd worked in shops, but I've never really owned my own shop. And um, in education, you know, you kind of you know, I was very passionate about that and I, and I was very good at what I did and I wasn't sure how I would be, uh, if I would be successful doing this. And it's the, the, the feedback that we've gotten has been great. And it, and I will have to, I just have to say like, it's just, I'm having fun and that's really, and I, and I had fun as a principal and as an, a teacher as well. And, and to find myself in this new environment and to feel like I'm just having a blast is such a great feeling. Well, you also buy used media. Do you accept most items folks bring in? What is the selling process like at the shop? That's a great question. We um, So condition of, of the items that they're bringing in is key. And um, we do buy all media. So CDs, um, records, tapes. But we're very, um, I, I have to say, like we're, we're being very um, selective in terms of the CDs that we're, we're bringing in now because we just have so many and they're just not big sellers right now. And I haven't given up on them because I think that there are still people who want to hear CDs either in their car or, you know, they have a home stereo system that they still play CDs on. But, um, records have definitely been our focus in terms of buying stuff. So we, there's several ways that that happens and it's been nice having the shop because people will, um, call and ask if we buy records. And so oftentimes people will just bring in a crate of records that they've had in their basement that they're not listening to anymore. And we're happy to look through them and take them off of their hands. Um, and then sometimes people call and say, I've got 3000 records, um, and I'm getting ready to downsize. And so we also do house calls and we go and, and, you know, assess people's collections and buy their whole collections. Um, that must be so fun. It's super fun. And, and also, you know, like it can be daunting too, cause it's, you know, records are heavy and oftentimes if they, um, have a large collection, you know, they've been stored away somewhere. So it's oftentimes in a basement or an attic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, while it's super fun, it's also, you know, it's work. It is, it is a lot of work to go, kind of go through and assess those collections, but it is mostly fun. Have you had any like really great discoveries on those house calls at all? Well, so one of the things I love about the house calls is meeting the people because I'm, I just love talking to people. And so I've really met some really cool people who have now become customers and friends through this process. And that's been really, really neat in, in the neighborhood in Andersonville, people coming in, um, you know, and then me going to their house and and they're so sweet, you know, I'll go into like, you know, assess their collection and they'll say, you know, do you want an espresso? Do you want, can I get you some iced tea? You know, they want to sit and chat and I'm up for that completely. And so I get to know these folks and then they tell me the story of how they've built up their collection. So I kind of learned the history of it. 
and I'm very interested in that. And I think that um, they appreciate my interest in that. And they also appreciate that um, I recognize the time that they've taken to curate their collection and that it's that I'm going to honor that time by um, you know turning it around and, and selling it to folks who are then going to make it part of their own collection that they're curating. Um, so that's that's been really interesting and really fun. Well, we internet stalked you uh, and got to check out the best video online of you and your husband's wedding oh. at Architectural Artifacts. Oh, yeah. um, and I've decided that I might just like start every morning by watching this video. <laughs> I'm going to get choked was, up right now. Oh my goodness. It was like the best thing ever. But um, can you share with us your wedding song or even if you just want to talk about so, that special day? Yeah, that special day. I, I have to tell you, it was... so my husband Mike and I decided to have a ceremony and um, with our family and our friends uh, before gay marriage was made legal um, in Illinois or nationwide. And we knew that we wanted to be together forever and we wanted to, you know, there was something about having that ceremony and like having all of these people there that you know and love um, witnessing that. It's, it's, it's just, it was different. I don't know how to explain it because I, as a gay man growing up, I never thought it would be something that I would have ever experienced. But it was such a great experience to to have all of these people pouring love at you and also holding you to the commitment that you're making to one another, right? It was very emotional. It was like the, one of the it was the best day of my life. And um, my, a friend of mine, so we had a live band um, at the wedding, which was great. And Architectural Artifacts was such a great event space to have it at. And it was November 5th, but it was 60 degrees that day. So it was like the weather was terrific. It was sunny. And um, and so a friend of mine, Jeffrey McHale, um, who now lives in Los Angeles, but is from Chicago and, or actually from Michigan, but not lived in Chicago when I knew him, he, uh, was just videotaping the wedding. We, we didn't hire him to do that. He just kind of decided he was going to do that. And we didn't know what he was going to do with it at all. Again, we didn't ask him to do this. And so he surprised us with that video compilation that he made and we watch it a lot too, actually. Um, I, we just watched it a couple of weeks ago. We hadn't watched it in a while. And um, and I'm so glad you found that. I'm so glad you internet stalked me to find that because it, it was, I think it, the video really sums up the day. I hope that came across in the video because it was just joyous. It's so the well done and beautiful. And so well yeah. done. And Jeff McHale is a phenomenal filmmaker and he's he just actually did a doc documentary, if I can give a little shout out. Um, he did a, docu a documentary called You Don't Know Me, N-O-M-I, and it's about the um, the film Showgirls, which is that sort of like, you know, trashy 80s mm -hmm. film um, uh, that has a cult following. So he did a documentary on that That's actually was at Tribeca, um, Tribeca Film Festival in New York and now it's going to go, I think, to Australia. So yay for him. And you know, he did our little video and it was just fantastic. It was like a, it's like what, like a three and a half minute long song. And it just captured the joy of that day. And, um, the music again, kind of being such an important part of our life, right? We, Mike and I walked down the aisle to Aretha Franklin's, um, uh, gosh, oh my gosh, well, you're gonna have to edit this. Um, baby, I love you. Sorry. So he, we walked down the aisle to baby, I love you. And, um, and then, you know, just had a, the band play lots of songs that we requested, a lot of Motown, a lot of, you know, like 80s dance stuff. And it was just such a fun day. I'm glad you found that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. Oh, I am too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. 
Well, it seems like you're happy where you're at, but if given the opportunity, which Andersonville business would you like to trade places with for a day? I think that Martha May um, is such a serene and peaceful and well-curated shop that I every time I walk in there, I just get this feeling of like, I don't know, like peace and warmth and, and she, the, the stuff that, she, that Jean has, has curated for that store is just amazing and her artwork is amazing. So I would say I would trade places with her for Dana and Jean, I'm going to give you a little challenge. Maybe we should do that one time. Maybe you can come and run the record store. We're right next to each other. You can do the record store and I'll do your shop and let's see how it goes. What music would you play in her shop? Um, gosh, be probably like, probably like, I, I, like Vivaldi's Four Seasons or something. I don't know, just something that's like soothing. And Since not, didn't make it into your wedding mix. like you Right, <laughs> exactly. Something ju- that's not too jarring because again, her, her place is so peaceful and I just love her shop. I'm one of those people that like when I go throughout my day, like sometimes like a song like plays in that moment. So like, do you ever do have that? Like where you're just like walking down the street and like right now this is what's playing. Yeah, or- completely. And I always think of it again, in sort of like a theatrical way maybe like you know because it's the the music geek in me but i'm always like oh this song is like playing right now and it's like the perfect soundtrack for what's happening you know like i'm at the beach and like oh my god i can't believe they're playing this song right now and it's like the perfect beach song and here i am in chicago in this beautiful day and yeah i think i think a lot of people do that yeah i think that's my probably my favorite thing about spotify is like being able to call up that so- that song at any moment, mm-hmm. like this is what I'm feeling right now, and I'm going to play it. The convenience of that is great, and also I should say, you know, although I, I own a record shop, I do use Amazon Prime streaming. You know, I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie, like I, I enjoy the convenience of that as well. Um, so I think you can have both. I don't think you have to have just one or the other. Um, somebody did um, post something recently that I thought was really striking, which was that um, hard drives crash, but records are forever. I was like, oh, I'm going to make a poster of that. Diamonds were forever. Yeah, well, and music too. (laughs) And vinyl. (laughs) Well, thank you, Paul, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Rattleback Records, please visit rattlebackrecords.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Thank you. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org.